Welcome to the Unmade Podcast, looking at media and marketing from an Australian perspective. I'm Tim Burrows. Recently, I published my first book, Media Unmade. It quickly became an Amazon bestseller. It's the story of Australian media's most disruptive decade. It's published by Hardy Grant, and you can buy it at all good bookshops and online. In the coming weeks, I'll be sharing the full audio edition of the book here on the Unmade podcast. Coming up is the next chapter. Now remember, only Unmade's paying subscribers get to hear every chapter. If you haven't already, you can sign up at unmade.media. As well as supporting my work as an independent journalist, you'll receive exclusive industry analysis in both written and podcast form. And once you sign up, you'll still be able to get our paid podcasts inside the app of your choice. It only takes a couple of clicks. Now, on with the book. Chapter 21. Taking Sides. In which Scott Morrison puts Ita Buttrose in charge of the ABC with insider David Anderson as managing director. The budget cuts begin to bite and the conflict with the government grows as everyone seems to forget what a journalist's role is, including some journalists themselves. There seemed to be no way of breaking out of the downward spiral. The ABC's relations with then-Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull and Communications Minister Mitch Fifield had been bad enough but under new PM Scott Morrison and new communications minister Paul Fletcher, they were worse. Turnbull may have been a prisoner of his party's internal politics, but at least he'd been a believer in the ABC. Morrison, who took the top job in August 2018, seemed to have little regard for the national broadcaster. It was hard to imagine him putting his feet up and watching back roads. After the chaotic sacking of managing director Michelle Guthrie and resignation of chairman Justin Milne in September 2018, Morrison overruled the official selection process for the next chair of the ABC. He passed over a shortlist which included former Fairfax CEO Greg Highwood and former News Limited boss Kim Williams to install his personal choice, Ita Buttrose in February 2019. Australians trust ITA, Morrison said at the announcement press conference. I trust ITA, and that's why I have asked her to take on this role. Buttrose was Australia's most famous former magazine editor, having launched Clio and edited the Australian Women's Weekly at the height of its influence. She had also been the first female editor-in-chief of News Limited's Daily Telegraph and Sunday Telegraph and, more recently, a panellist on Network 10's Studio 10. Buttrose's board took even longer in replacing Guthrie, finally giving the managing director role to David Anderson in May. Anderson, a 30-year veteran of the ABC, had been acting MD since Guthrie's exit. He was the most popular choice for the staff, who had no interest in another outsider after Guthrie. But 
Anderson's lack of experience in the media world beyond the ABC's doorstep was a signal that, in just a few short years, the organisation had reduced its ambitions from leading the technology shift to surviving. There would be few of the agenda-setting, optimistic speeches Guthrie's predecessor, Mark Scott, had been in the habit of giving about the opportunity for the ABC to lead the digital change. The ABC was besieged from all directions. In June 2019, the Australian Federal Police raided the company's Ultimo headquarters. This was in response to the Afghan files, an investigation by the ABC's Dan Oakes and Sam Clark into misconduct by Australia's special forces in Afghanistan, in which there had been at least 10 unlawful killings, or, as it later emerged, as many as 39. Because the journalists had received documents, the AFP used a search warrant to investigate whether they had unlawfully obtained them. The ABC's head of investigative journalism, John Lyons, live-tweeted the raid, sharing photographs of the AFP officers sifting through staff emails. As Lyons, who spent nine hours in the room with the officers, wrote afterwards, it felt a complete violation of us, both as journalists and citizens, and it had nothing to do with national security. In June 2020, the AFP recommended to Attorney General Christian Porter that charges be laid against Oakes. It took until October for the Office of the Commonwealth Director of Public Prosecutions to announce that they would not be prosecuting. It was a thankless time for Anderson. He inherited the consequences of then-Treasurer Morrison's 2018 decision alongside Turnbull to freeze the ABC's inflation-linked funding rises, in effect leaving the organisation $84 million worse off. In June 2020, at the height of the COVID pandemic, Anderson announced 250 jobs would go as part of a five-year plan. There were 70 staff cut from news, 53 from the Entertainment and Specialist Division, and 19 from the Regional and Local Division. Most noticeable to the viewers, the organisation axed its long-standing 7.45am radio news bulletin and said it would wind down its ABC Life online lifestyle website and rebadge it as ABC Local. This is a difficult time for us, as it is for the broader economy and community, as we all struggle with the events of this year, said Anderson. In August, economics editor Emma Alberici, who had been one of the points of conflict with the government, departed. It was a bitter separation, with Alberici bringing in a lawyer to negotiate her exit after 18 years. She tweeted her departure, taking a swing at ABC News director Gavin Morris. Despite the enormous toll his actions have taken on my mental health, Gavin Morris wanted to call it a termination payout, no doubt so he could tell the world I was fired for incompetence or some such. To be crystal clear, I have never coveted the camera. I will no longer be on TV and will not accept any role if it's offered. It is too painful to be in the public eye. Alberici took on a communications role at financial comparison website, Compare the Market. However, the role was short-lived 
and she departed in April 2021. Morrison and Fletcher would pick up where Turnbull and Fifield had left off in their public criticism of the organisation, including regular formal complaints. The old calculation that it was bad politics to bash the ABC because of the regard the public held for it seemed to have changed. A new point of conflict erupted in November 2020 when Four Corners broadcast an investigation into the personal conduct of politicians in Canberra. Inside the bubble focused on two Liberal ministers, Christian Porter and Acting Immigration Minister Alan Tudge. Before it had even been aired, Anderson was badgered with questions at Senate estimates, with criticism from coalition senators about the impartiality of the programme and whether it was in the public interest. Fletcher wrote a four-page letter to Buttrose questioning the programme's standards of accuracy and impartiality and demanded a response within 14 days. Playing the PR game, Fletcher also tweeted the full contents of the letter. Buttrose responded, warning that the government was indulging in behaviour that smacks of political interference. She also called out Fletcher for turning each complaint into a political point-scoring exercise, mentioning that it was the third time your correspondence to the ABC has been publicly revealed before I had been given the courtesy of reading it. Fletcher's office had been leaking the correspondence to News Corp publications ahead of time. She warned Fletcher that his colleague's attempt to derail the broadcast of the Four Corners episode had been not consistent with respect for the role of an independent public broadcaster. It later emerged that a Liberal Party staffer had reported to the police and her managers that she had been raped by a colleague at Parliament House in 2019. Brittany Higgins went public with the allegation in February 2021, claiming there had been a cover-up by the Liberal Party. At around the same time as the complaint from Fletcher, Buttrose recorded a speech for the Ramsey Centre for Western Civilisation, in which she warned, Lately, the campaign against the ABC has become more strident. It appears to have gone up a notch this year, and this development concerns me. Fletcher tussled with the ABC again over the issue of Australia Day. He publicly criticised an article on the ABC News website titled Australia Day slash Invasion Day 2021 Events Guide. Initially, the ABC defended the terminology, but caved a few hours later, removing the words Invasion Day from the headline. The government's attitude towards the ABC and other media organisations it did not view as being on its side followed a pattern that had been emerging in other parts of the world. In the UK, Boris Johnson's government was contemptuous towards the press. This contempt culminated in Johnson's special adviser, Dominic Cummins, giving an absurd Downing Street press conference in which he justified breaching Covid protocols by claiming that he took his family for a drive to a tourist destination to test his eyesight. And in the US, President Donald Trump turned his fire on any press that was not slavishly supportive of him, labelling it fake news, even encouraging hostility from supporters towards the journalists present at his rallies. 
Whereas Tony Abbott had tried to position the debate as whether the ABC was for or against Australia, the Morrison government took things further, with ministers beginning to take a with us or against us attitude. On the 10th of February 2021, Health Minister Greg Hunt went on the offensive against News Breakfast presenter Michael Rowland during a live interview, accusing him of being a Labour supporter. The unedifying exchange began when Rowland challenged Hunt about the way he had announced that the government had obtained new doses of the Pfizer coronavirus vaccine. When you announced the very welcome additional 10 million additional doses of Pfizer on your social media channels last week, why did you feel the need to attach a Liberal Party logo to an Australian government announcement? asked Rowland. Hunt avoided the question and went on the attack. We predicted that you seemed to be the most exercised of any person in the Australian media about this. I was elected under that banner. Multiple members across multiple parties do that. I'm a very proud member of that party. Roland pushed back again. It's an Australian government announcement. Who paid for the vaccines? Hunt played the man again, refusing to acknowledge that the role of TV interviewers is to put difficult questions. I know this is an issue for you. In many ways, you identify with the left. You do this a lot and I respect that. Hunt would have known that was not true. Roland had always been scrupulously neutral on air. No, Minister, I find that offensive. I'm asking you, I'm exercised about. Hunt interrupted, this time pointing towards what appeared to be a growing attitude that the media had to choose, whether it was on the same side as the government. Oh, come on, Michael. There's nobody who's watching who doesn't identify you with the left. You should be open about that. I'm open about my origins. It's important for you to be honest about your position and your origins. I'm honest about my position and my origins. Roland stuck to his guns. It just struck me as odd. I'd ask the same question of a Labour government. A party political logo attached to an Australian government announcement. Hunt personalised the attack one more time. I win the bet with my office that you could spend 50% of this interview on that topic rather than on safety, rather than on vaccines, rather than on rollout. Later, Roland tweeted a video of the encounter with the message, No, Minister, I don't identify with the left. My job as an ABC journalist is to hold all sides of politics to account, as I was this morning. One of the problems facing the journalism profession was that many of the public on social media had come to see all mainstream journalists as partisan. The situation was not helped by output from News Corp in which editors prioritised tailoring their content to what they believed their chosen audience wanted over seeking to find a balanced truth. This issue reached a nadir in 2020 when Sky News commentator Petter Credlin, a former chief of staff to PM Tony Abbott, began to attend press conferences held by Victoria's Labour Premier, Dan Andrews, at the height of the state's Covid lockdown, in order to ask loaded questions. The press conferences were streamed live on social media and televised every day. For many Victorians, the back and forth of a press conference was something they had never seen before. 
it was hard to tell where legitimate, pushy questioning in search of truth ended and performative point scoring began. Credlin used the press conference to badger Andrews about shortcomings in his government's hotel quarantine programme. At one press conference, Andrews told Credlin, You've all got a job to do, but let me tell you one thing my job does not involve, and it never will involve, having patently incorrect statements made to me where I simply cop it and move on to the next question. I'm not doing that. The stakes are too high when it comes to keeping people safe for me to simply be a bystander as facts are created and as history is rewritten. Twitter became more polarised than ever with the I stand with Dan and dictator Dan hashtags dominating the political conversations. For the people formerly known as the audience, the assumption that every journalist was a participant was fuelled by the examples where this was indeed true, which only made it harder for the journalists who believed they should stay neutral. Those uniting on Twitter under the Ozpol hashtag became a self-reinforcing army. Any journalist asking a hard question of somebody from their side was automatically assumed to be on the other side. On the very same day as the Michael Rowland encounter with Greg Hunt came further evidence that ABC journalists asking hard questions were assumed to be partisan. This time, the anger came from the left, with the ABC's Patricia Carvelis besieged for asking a question of Labour's Shadow Minister for Industrial Relations, Tony Burke. Carvelis raised claims made at a press conference by Attorney General Porter that Labour was about to introduce a new policy to allow workers on insecure contracts to transfer their sick leave and holiday leave entitlements from job to job. He claimed it would be a $20 billion tax on business. Is it a $20 billion tax on business? Or cost on business, let's call it, Carvelis asked Burke. Burke used the opportunity to demolish the claim. He was describing a policy that's not ours. What we saw from Christian Porter in that media conference was absolutely next-level weird. He invented a policy that's not ours, then got a cost about it, and then got really worked up about the cost of that policy that he'd invented. That media conference, he either knew he was lying or the blokes just lost it. Twitter's algorithm was, as usual optimised to amplify the outrage. Labour supporters began to share the clip, suggesting it showed Carvelis's supposed bias for putting Porter's claims to Burke. Her name trended on Twitter for several hours, and vicious comments rained down on her. Burke later came to Carvelis's defence, tweeting, If I hadn't been asked about Porter's comments by at Pat's Carvelis, I wouldn't have been able to dispute them, refute them, and ridicule them for the lies they were. The next day, Carvelis tweeted her mind. I am a strong supporter of scrutiny on journalists. Journalists should not be beyond criticism. I have always remained on this platform because I think engagement is important, and I continue to think that. But when the commentary is nasty, sexist, homophobic, racist, and just plain cruel, it takes a toll. Many people tell me I should just ignore those remarks, but they stay with you. When you are slut-shamed for doing your job, it's wrong. 
When assumptions are made about your life and your class and your lived experience, it's wrong. I won't withdraw from the public sphere, but I wish people would think before they engage in name-calling and ugly slurs. It's not the way you create a safe society. The problem was, it was getting increasingly hard to tell who was partisan and who was not. Many journalists and presenters do indeed go beyond impartially asking questions, choosing to share their views with Twitter as the natural platform. It was understandably difficult, or even impossible, for an observer to tell the difference between the journalists who were advocating on Twitter and the ones working for the very same organisation who were merely holding power to account. Twitter was always a small microcosm of the wider population, and it was also becoming a self-blowing bubble. The sort of journalist who wanted to share their views beyond the platform their employer provided were the ones who gravitated towards Twitter. And that meant that many Twitter users began to view all journalists as combatants. Although the ABC had issued various versions of a social media policy, it was not always followed by staff. Laura Tingle, chief political correspondent of 7.30, accused Scott Morrison of ideological bastardry over the budget cuts in a tweet in October 2020. Sally Neighbour, executive producer of Four Corners, which had battled to air the investigation into the behaviour of Porter and Tudge, was another example of somebody who went beyond letting her programme do the talking, as in the case of Eddie Maguire. After he sailed through the 2013 Adam Goods King Kong gaffe, and his 2016 on-air jokes about drowning Caroline Wilson, consequences caught up with Maguire in February 2021. He was forced to resign as Collingwood president after he tried to brush off a report that found the club management had been guilty of systemic racism, claiming at the press conference that the publication reflected well on the club and was a proud day. First, Neighbour opined on Twitter. Best news I've heard all day. Then she went further, comparing Maguire with James Packer, whose misbehaviour in connection with the management of Crown Casinos had contributed to the organisation having just been found unsuitable to run its newly built casino in Sydney's Barangaroo. Neighbour tweeted, Uncanny similarities between these men a lifetime of wealth and privilege, for decades too powerful to be challenged, finally brought low by their own actions, the reaction, denial and self-pity. I had no idea. I did my best. Hubris personified. Pretty hard to disagree with, and it was much liked and retweeted, although Neighbour was wrong to suggest Maguire came from a privileged upbringing. Virtually everyone in Melbourne knew Maguire's backstory, in particular his being raised in humble broadmeadows. But it was also yet another example of an ABC journalist who had publicly taken sides. News.com.au picked up the tweet as a news story and once again the public were being told about a partial ABC journalist. Neighbour later deleted the tweet. Early in 2021, late-night live host Philip Adams, perhaps the most cheerfully partial of all the ABC's presenters, 
celebrated his 30th anniversary with the show on Radio National. His boss, David Anderson, called in to congratulate him. Putting the ABC finances in context, Anderson said that as a percentage of government expenditure, the ABC's funding had halved. They listened to a clip of the very first Late Night Live show in the summer of 1991. The ABC had been in the middle of a furore over how it reported on the government. In this case, it was Bob Hawke's government and his involvement in the 1991 invasion of Iraq. The Labour Prime Minister had accused the ABC of being loaded, biased and disgraceful. Anderson told Adams, What the ABC does? We're inconvenient to the government of the day, from time to time, whoever the government is. We seek the truth. We seek to provide information which is impartial and accurate and informs public debate. We are the most scrutinised media organisation in the country. And we should be. That was the latest chapter of my narration of my book, Media Unmade. You can buy the book online and at all good bookstores. I hope you enjoyed it. Remember, if you want to hear all future chapters, you'll need to be a paying subscriber of Unmade. You can sign up at unmade.media. That's the URL, simply unmade.media. Once you do, it only takes a couple of clicks to add the paid-for feed to the podcast app of your choice. The book was written and recorded in northwest Tasmania on the land of the Palawa people. This podcast is produced with the enthusiastic help of Abe's Audio. For voiceovers and audio production, from corporate to commercial, go to abesaudio.com.au. I'll be back with the next chapter soon. Toodle pip. <laughs>